Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Or if it's on Friday, which it is this time around, it's the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching this thing. It's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Of course, everything that we do also as well for the Lakers Fast Break and Game Source. Thanks so much for checking us out. If you need your fix of the latest news and trends in pop culture, you can always stop by Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we drop the latest trailers, including The Fall Guy, the latest movie coming out next year, and also as well the latest iteration of The Planet of the Apes. We dropped both those trailers today, so go ahead and check it out on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, plus also at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And of course, everything that we do at the Lakers Fast Break and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. But you know this is the state of pro wrestling. And boy, always a state indeed. But you know I couldn't do without a good friend indeed. It is the guy behind the PVD cast at <laughs> pvdcast.com, wherever you get your podcasts as well. It is, of course, the great John Orlando. And John, I was thinking about on the way home, getting ready to go ahead and set up for tonight's show, about if we were that tag team that I talked about on the last episode. <laughs> and it was just amazing to me that over the years, you and I have seen so many squash matches over the course of, of many decades. And just seemingly some of these guys that took the money early and just really decided to derail their career by becoming jobbers at an early age. If you asked me, they said, Gerald, behind the scenes, the WWE's got some you know, easy money for us, quick money for us, but we have to do some jobs. I would probably tell you, look at the long-term versus the short-term. Is there a wrestler, before we really get into today's episode, is there a wrestler from the past that became or was notified and or was known as a jobber that you think could have had a different career that might have worked out a lot better? So you I think what? I have one of mine. I, I, I'll tell you this right now. I, that, that was something that I always, even as a kid, kind of lamented because there was that, uh, that time period in the WWF at the time mm-hmm where a lot of folks like Sam Houston from Mid-Atlantic came and was kind of a, a preliminary guy. Cowboy mm-hmm. Scott Casey from World Class was was there as a preliminary guy. And those guys, when, when I'd see those, I'd be like, those guys, you know, Scott Casey used the main event in World Class. Like, why is he here and he's losing to Ravishing Rick Rude in like two minutes and a half, you know? Um, I don't know. Maybe I might go... I hate to say it, but because, you know, I found out he's kind of a jerk, but I'm going to go Tim Horner. Tim Horner in the WWF was a was a job guy there after yep. uh, there in that mid 87, right after the UWF was absorbed into uh, the NWA. And I, I always thought Tim Horner was a was a good, good wrestler, despite, you know, what we hear from Cornette outside the ring. But uh, so I, I'll say Tim Horner. That's who I'm going with. You know, him and Brad Armstrong, they were one of the last to hold the UWF Tag Team Championships. So I agree with you as far as him being a, a pretty good guy as far as work rate is concerned. Was not thing, or was not very much in the way of charisma. 
and mic work. So that's probably what held him back and probably led him into the direction that he went in as far as taking the easy money for about a year or two with the mm-hmm. WWF and it uh, just didn't quite work out after maybe Smoky Mountain tried to revive his career with Jim Cornette. But yes, like you talked about, just never really had that uh, going for him once again, once he went down that path. My candidate would be Jim Powers. And the reason oh. why I you know, say this is because I had completely forgot, you know, from the mid 80s is that one time he decided to go to world class and stay for a period of time. He actually indicated on camera that he had moved down to Texas to see what's going to go on there and just seemingly looked like he was someone with a with a good physique, you know, just seemed to have a decent look about him. Of course, he and Paul Roma, after getting job for years, finally got together and became the Young Stallions, but that didn't work out long-term as Paul Roma decided he didn't want to deal with Jim Powers. And, you know, if you hear their stuff behind the scenes they decided to part ways but it just never really seemed to click for him and also with fans they, they once they see you jobbing like for instance black bart black bart was a world title holder in world in world class yet became a jobber you know it just just these guys that you thought okay you know they're not really going to be big at the wwe but why take the money to ruin your career everywhere else that's a good point very good point. Um, yeah, and I, and I also agree with you. If you see somebody lose time and time again, then you lose faith in them. Yeah, so and, don't and, ask me behind the scenes. Okay. You know, that you say, you know, that the WWE's, you know, got an offer for us to go ahead and, you know, developmental or whatnot. And, you know, that will lead to a whole bunch of uh, TV squash matches. So, yeah. No, no. I, pr- I promise you no squash matches. Okay. And unless, also, unless, no, unless also- we are the squashers <laughs> and not the squashies. <laughs> No, no squash matches and no death matches. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough indeed. But it is the state of pro wrestling for November 2023. Glad to have you here. It is John Orlando from the PVD cast. Thanks so much for watching listening. Thought we'd go ahead and talk about some of the things going around the world of pro wrestling right now. So you actually said before we went on the air, you thought there was going to be some interesting discussions we're going to have on today's show. So I'm looking forward to the challenge Challenge accepted indeed, my friend. But the first thing that comes up, of course, Crown Jewel, as we record this, is coming up here on the weekend from Saudi Arabia, LA Knight versus Roman Reigns, who, you know, this is once every three months. I like a, like a quarter that he shows up for a TV main event. He does some house shows, by the way. But yes, for the most part, he does not wrestle on television all that much. My question is to you, my friend. We have talked and lamented over the rapid rise of L.A. Knight and the popularity that he now has. And the fact that the WWE, if they had played it smart, could have let this thing play out into either a major Royal Rumble or even a WrestleMania main event for L.A. Knight. Because I think that it is that strong and it is something we haven't seen in quite some time, the popularity for a individual who quite frankly was just a mid carter you know you could even equate it to the rise of like a stone cold steve austin where you just was a ringmaster and you became you know just by changing his moniker and changing his style a little bit became even more popular than probably anyone of the past uh, 3 4 decades leading into hulk hogan as far as you know you could arguably say that 
he's the most popular wrestler of all time. But when it comes to LA Knight, he is leading a popularity charge right now, like few have seen in the past, in this century, in this century, leading back to maybe John Cena and, and very few others. But your thoughts on this, my friend, him facing up at uh, against Roman Reigns this Sunday, do you think it's too much too soon? And if he loses, do you think that the WWE just had, really didn't have enough faith in him anyways? Well, I think that it is just the right time for LA Knight. The guy's been there for a long time. You you know, when he started making the rise, all those, you know, just turned videos, uh, 41 this week. He just turned 41? Yes, this week. Okay. Yes. You look at all of those videos that they showed on Twitter and, and Facebook and all that of him being backstage, of him doing various different things for the WWE, being in developmental. I think he just, I don't think it's too much too soon. I don't think that. I do think that if he doesn't win, and they're not going to take the belt off of Roman. I don't, I, I don't believe that. I mean, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make strong business sense to do that. The big question is going to be what happens to him then? Does he end up in another program with still a high-profile opponent, or is he going to be relegated to taking on those, uh, you, you know, those maybe less than important? Uh, does he become a mid-carder? Right. Does does he become a mid-carder? Does he become involved in a, a feud with Bronson Reed, for an example? Which you know, but. I, I got to say this. I'm I'm curious to see what the reaction is going to be in Saudi Arabia because I feel like LA Knight's a very American, and I don't even know if that's the right right uh, adjective to use. But he just got that 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 arrogance that kind of I don't know if it's going to translate well to the fans of Saudi Arabia. Are they going to cheer him just as as loudly, just as as you know, vicociously as the American fans, or is he going to be looked on as well? He's he's just a guy, you know. We don't get it. We don't understand the yeah and all the other catchphrases that he uses and whatnot. I can tell you that there's a great possibility of that, and the reason why I'm saying so is that in the early days of the rise of L.A. Knight, uh, one of the viral things that went out there was during the last time the wwe earlier this year was in saudi arabia and i don't think he was even on the card or he was even there i'm, I'm pretty sure if i remember correctly but there was a loud chant of la night okay la night so that's pretty much you know i don't want to say that's where it started but that was the part of the beginning of the rise of la night and his popularity so i would say yes the okay. thing is, though, it, you know, it, I just don't think that this company believes 100% and has bought into him. And you know that, that the WWE, whether or not you want to say Vince is still part of it, Vince, you know, right now the company's saying Vince is not a part of creative and it's just Triple H or whoever is running WWE. WWE has to buy into you 100%. I mean, we saw years and years and years they had bought into Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns could not get over to the point where anybody was satisfied, but the company bought into him, believed in him, and got to the point where they found the right storyline or storylines to go ahead and be able to bring out the best Roman Reigns to where you see him today. Same thing goes for John Cena. Same thing goes for you know several other individuals that they're pushing or that they have pushed to the moon. 
Right now, Cody Rhodes looks like to be the individual that they are saving for a rainy day that they're trying to go ahead and get to that stratosphere as the next guy, you know, to me at this point in time, what I see as the next guy that they want to go ahead and build the company around. Uh, again, LA Knight for me is someone I don't think is a flash in the pan, but if you book him the wrong way, he could become just that. We've seen what happened with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, we talked about earlier this year that we thought he should have won in Montreal because he was absolutely as over as he will ever be in his entire career. He didn't. He he subsequently lost you know several matches therein and now can't even find himself on the regular card, has to find himself on the zero hour, the pre-show now just to give, get even in the cards now, especially that he doesn't have the tag titles anymore as well. So I don't know, my friend, you know, I think that this is an opportunity for, to or a big test for LA Knight to create a great match, but I just don't think that this company is 100% behind him. And because of that, that's why they're going to go ahead and set it up where, he is just being knocked down the pecking order after after uh, this weekend. And that would be a shame if that is indeed what happens. Like I said, I would have, I th- I would have waited to at least Royal Rumble if you could didn't think you'd really have a hundred percent faith in him, but I would have I would have waited until Royal Rumble personally. Well, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you. In my notes, I put down that I could see him. Even if he loses Roman Reigns, and even if he is kind of, you know, not in the forefront, let's say for the month of December, he's just doing random matches with random people, maybe do a redemption story where in the Royal Rumble he ends up winning. Why not see if that would get a pop from the fans? I don't know. I think that that is the biggest question with LA Knight. He's not going to win Saturday at uh, in Saudi Arabia. So then what do you do with him? How do you keep him interested? Do you have Roman Reigns cheat to go over? So there, you have that, that you know, hey. Oh, there'll be cheated. interference galore. In that yeah. You can yeah. See so, it, right? I mean, it just depends. I think just the, the the way the finish is for that match will depend on what happens with, with uh, LA Knight moving forward. I just think it's a shame. I just think it's something where they, they could have continued to build upon it and and waited this match could have waited itself out for you know what you were talking about with royal rumble or also as well if you've got cody rhodes on the raw side how is he going to meet up and be able to take over on the other side when it comes to me facing off against roman reigns if you don't if la knight does not win what is the next plateau what is the next sign for roman reigns do you intend to go ahead and have him have a five six year reign or do you just really want to go ahead and make sure you pass it off to another individual i don't know it just it just is very strange sometimes the things that they do at the wwe i don't exactly 100 love the way the things that they they're about as far as what they do in their booking stance but then again this has gone on for decades and you know i if, you, if I was there, I would do differently. If you were there, you would do things differently. If most of the fans out there, they would do things differently. I just would have waited. You know, even if you don't have 100% confidence LA night, Saudi Arabia would sell out even if it was somebody else as far as leading that main event. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today 
on wherever you get your podcasts. You know, you look at the the show, there's some very interesting matches that I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested to see Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest. I think that's going to be a heck of a match. I think that John Cena and Solo Sokoa are going to tear it up again. That's going to be a great match. I really think that Logan Paul and Rey Mysterio, oh my, I think that's going to steal the show. But again, again, if we want to talk about, you know, if you wanted, uh, you, you have Logan Paul coming back for another one of his appearances, much like Roman Reigns, um, you know, why couldn't you have slotted him in a rematch with Roman Reigns for this pay-per-view and then kept LA Knight for, you know, is what's the next December pay-per-view? I don't remember. I'm not sure which I forget. I have to look that up, but I okay. think also then there's, there's one on new year's, I believe as well. Oh, that's right. There's new yeah. year's the, isn't it called day one? I believe. Yeah. Or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And and then, uh, then of course, later in January, Royal rumble, but that the major one would be Royal rumble. Right. That's the, that's probably the next time we see Roman reigns in the ring. Sure. So. But I, I just think you could have gone that route because you, you have the, the built in storyline. Um, yes, granted, Logan Paul has taken his heel work to another level. And so you would have heel on heel, so to speak, or heel versus heel. Uh, but, you know, look, we're, <laughs> we've been saying it for a very long time that the WWE needs new, fresh blood. We've seen some instances of that, but there's no one fresher than LA Knight right now. And, to, yeah. to go in there and, and lose this weekend, which we're pretty sure he's going to do, is just a shame. Uh, it it's is. just a shame, yeah. But again, you know, they say they know what they're doing. They're going to go ahead and still get the ratings and still get the money and still get all the tickets and still get all the fame regardless. It's just a shame because for people who like good storylines and things, especially for the underdog, for an underdog career veteran that's been, you know, had to grind it out. Like mm-hmm. LA Knight, this is more mm-hmm. success than he'll ever achieve again. This is similar to what we saw with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn grinding it out until he gets to the point where he is now super over, and they waste that opportunity. Even with a short title reign, they they decided not to do it, and you see where he's back down, back down, back down. And LA Knight, you know, and that if that's the case. That's a lost revenue for the company because he's oh, generating yes. more revenue than any superstar right now in the WWE. And yeah, that's the other thing that you got to think about is he's what they said he was like. I know a couple of times ago when we talked, he was like either second or third and fourth and fifth in, in I sales. I believe he's for now merch. first. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that why not? Look, the WWE has done this for years where they ride the backs of somebody that's so so over to just reap the monetary benefits that that individual is making i don't understand why you just don't want to do that with la night i know that sounds very cold and and heartless but why not ride ride that train until it's till it's gone till it's done yeah i don't know once again, it is the state of pro wrestling. It is John Orlando from the PVD cast, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this and truly appreciate it. Uh, one of the major news announcements uh, came after their latest pay-per-view in Impact Wrestling, which is now changing its name back to TNA. When it was, Before, it was TNA, Global Force, 
Uh, now, Impact Wrestling, which is the name of one of their shows, they ended up naming the whole promotion after it. Now it goes back to TNA. I ask you this, my friend. This seems to me, or this reeks of desperation. This this seems to me an uh, individual company that just, I don't know, just does it's not it's limited on talent limited on funds limited on its audience and going back to tna just seems to me like a desperation move i don't think it's going to do anything to move the needle no Uh, do you no (laughs) i i wrote down why and then i wrote down who cares i mean (laughs) I'll, i'll give you a story okay i used to work for a company called the good guys they were a West Coast department chain, uh, basically audio and video stuff only. They're definitely car stereos, computers, home video, big screens. That all that's all they sold. This was in the '90s, so they they went around. They were successful for a while. They had a they had a ton of stores in the West Coast, but as they started to fade in the public eye, because Best Buy was starting to get everybody's arousal as far as a electronic store. They decided to make a big move, my friend, and change their name from the good guys to good guys. <laughs> Spent millions of dollars. You know, everything from uniforms to advertisements to sign changes at their stores, taking off of the the. Even though everybody and their grandmother would probably say, Where are you headed to? I'm heading to the good guys. So and of course, it met its demise a short time later in the early 2000s, along with Circuit City and the several other companies that buckled under in the early 2000s with electronics. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, this does absolutely nothing to move the needle. And you're just spending money when you don't have a whole lot. And you're you're hoping for things like CM Punk to come and, and work for you that will move the needle in the opposite direction from where you're headed right now. Well, I think if they were really, really, really serious about changing and being radical and going back to their roots, why not give Billy Corgan a call and just merge back in with the NWA? They would say, but to great minds, think alike. We've talked about this on every show, and I was just saying that. And then go ahead and call call up Court Bauer, get MLB, <laughs> MLW, whatever's left there, and we'll talk about MLW here in a second. And then also what uh, – GCW, you know, just, you know, some of these other smaller promotions, PWG, just get them all together to, you know, because doing things on their own, they make some of them make their nice little money here and there because they have their limited schedule. You know, they, they stay within their budget, stay within their means. But if any of these companies actually have any desires to do anything on a broader basis, they're going to have to get together because the talent base, the talent pool from your drawing from, of known quantities or quantities that will get you where you want to go is extremely limited at that level if they've not already gone with AEW or WWE. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think the talent pool is not I think it's I think it's pretty deep, especially if you pulled all of that talent together. Of, of marketable talent that's going to bring in an audience. So I if I ask you, you, okay, so if that's the case, and we'll talk about this here in a second with Alex Hammerstone. So if that's the case, with all this talent that you're talking about at that level, why haven't all these smaller promotions been able to bring in the money already? Okay, good point. Could it be a case of the fear of, look, this is nothing, this has been done before, where where you have two promotions that team up or three promotions that team up. We've seen it throughout the history of wrestling. I mean, 
uh, Pro Wrestling USA, uh, Super Clash 3, et cetera, et cetera. Is it maybe that fear that, hey, you're going to lose something to this to this other company. You're going to lose. It's always, your... it's always about egos. It's always yeah. about egos. Yeah. Well, it's about egos and it's about money. And that's what I was getting at is, hey, are you going to lose a little, whatever money you're making, whatever money that might be, you can lose some of that because, you know, maybe you're losing, I don't know, you made, you made four grand on the show, but hey, maybe you got to give 10 of that to the other. Prom- now you're down to three grand. And is that really fair enough? And all that, I think all that plays in some of the promoter's heads still that, you know, uh that it's still cutthroat business when i think if you just approach it and be honest with other people hey court bauer for an example well this is what we want to do are you in or not are you just living to carry out your suit against the wwe or actually you trying to run a promotion (laughs) that's that's one of the things i would be asking him that's that's something there because you know we'll lead this into alex hammerstone who is one of the few marketable individuals that's out there that's not affiliated with WWE and AEW. He was for a long time the champion in MLW, Major League Wrestling, and recently asked to have his contract avoided and he wants to leave. But uh, as of yet, Court Bauer has not decided to do that. He's let other wrestlers go out of their contracts in recent days, but has decided not yet to go ahead and uh, do that for Alex Hammerstone because he realizes, because his contract, I think it's not up for another year or so beyond that, but he realizes because he is an individual that, you know, while MLW didn't reach new heights under him as a champion, he is still a marketable, he has a good enough look mm-hmm. and presence and with the right coaching or maybe instruction, even at 32, he could still be put into a position where he could get out to a, a public that doesn't know or isn't as familiar with what he can do. I mean, bottom line, he is going to be a star if he's not one already. The man, he's got the looks, he's got the charisma, his promos are pretty good. The dude's got it all. Uh, my question is, you know, that MLW contracts are not supposedly the most lucrative. All right, so I'm wondering if what type of is it all just that Alex is tired of the creative, or is it also creative and in the lack of a, a decent contract? And maybe that's one of the things that he's thinking about. You know, hey, I'm 32, I need to start making some cash. Do I need to stick around here in MLW or do I need to go somewhere else? And I think that that's part of it. I think that you know, I think he right now, to be honest with you, if he went somewhere, I think he'd be a great fit for for a TNA. For a year and then off to the WWE, get get some seasoning, so to speak. Repackaged as some some he goes Alex Hammerstone. That name is unfortunately he's not gonna he's not gonna be allowed to get that keep that in WWE and AEW. If he wants to keep Alex Hammerstone, he'll be able to keep that. That's one of the interesting dynamics between those two companies about mm-hmm. whether or not they get to keep their name or not name. But you know the WWE, you know how how they like to market and package their own. Uh, names for their individuals there for the most part anyways but we'll see i i think yeah yeah i don't know if he's ready or not i you know i've only seen a few of his matches because the availability uh, out there on the internet of mlw which is part of the problem so yeah. you're right he's at an age of 32 where he can still make a big impact in the world of pro wrestling uh, he signed a contract i believe when he was the champion thinking that you know it is the, you know, the grass was greener on his side at that point in time, but now that he doesn't have 
that title anymore now that he's actually not at the top of the food chain at the MLW as small as it is. I think that's just the fact that he sees things a little bit clearer now as far as his future going forward. And I think that uh, you're right, maybe a year in TNA or a year somewhere else, maybe uh, to season him up a bit. But then again, you know, at 32, you realize he might be running into 33, 34, 35 rather quickly. So you might want to go ahead and try to see, or maybe he's actually, or even heard that he might be able to try his hand with a larger organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, even even if he ended up in NXT for a year, that would not be a bad bad option for him to kind of get acclimated to the WWE system. I just think I just think that he doesn't have he doesn't have it yet to just go right from MLW right to WWE. Um, I I think maybe he even doesn't have it just yet to go to AEW just yet. I think he he still got to get just a little bit sharper on that character. And then I think, I think he'd be straight right to the WWE. I mean, I keep saying WWE because he's, he's what Vince loves. You know, he's a big dude. He can move. He looks good. I mean, I think he'd be a, a shoe in, in WWE and AEW doesn't need any more people on the roster, but we'll talk about that later. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Here you are. Well, that was pretty good timing. You're here and we're here. He was just seminal to so many people. Authentic and kind. Teach you something and make you feel good. Something very soothing, something very calming. Fundamental in developing me into the human being that I am today. You ask anybody in Canada, they know who he is. It's hard to imagine anyone having had a bigger influence on my life. It's the award-winning documentary, Mr. Makeup. The Magic of Make-Believe, available now on Amazon Prime Video. Once again, it is John Orlando from the PVD Cast. Please go ahead and check out his awesome show, the PVD Cast, today at thepvdcast.com. One of the things I did want to ask you is about AEW. We talked about right that before the half-hour half break, and we talked about real briefly about uh, too many shows too many individuals, the rosters are too big. Not everybody's able to go ahead and show their stuff. Uh, the way that the booking has been talked about, I know that's at, at nauseum, depending on who you speak to, it's either bad to really bad. Uh, but you know, at AEW, God bless them, has their spirited supporters. You and I, uh, you know, were really uh, hopeful when MJF uh, got his title. Uh, got the title that he deserved that we thought was he was due and he's been a, a champion now for for a year and as i was watching his matches has done nothing personally as far as been able you know from a personal standpoint he has done nothing personally to dissuade me off of his character or whatnot but i think the way it's just the the whole organization has been run or the way it's structured or maybe the fact that they're running out of ma uh, main event level challenges for them. I just don't see the same type of je ne sais quoi that they had this time last year when he first won that title. Oh my, we agree on that. It, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. Like there's the luster starting to wear off of MJF. I and, miss that, and that's a shame because he's yeah. very talented. No one's better on the mic for that company. And, and the fact is just, you know, he has done so much. I think the fact that, you know, they turned him face 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know the Adam Cole thing, which again was really a you know very a great homage to a great many things, and you know that that worked out for a little while. But I think that that on the back end of that, especially after Adam Cole's injury, it has not worked favorably for MJF as far as he you know him being held and thought of strong as far as the character. And now he just recently had to go ahead on an episode of Dynamite do a job to try and build up a match at the LA forum coming up here, not to, not to do this in future against Jay White, Jay White, who's a new Japan superstar really is not known by the American public outside of AEW. So tell me your thoughts on this. It just really seems like MJF is someone who is, it's just biding his time doing the best he can, but with the company that's, and, and the situations that are around him is really not working in his favor. No, it's not working. He's stuck in neutral to to use it seems that like term. It, yeah, yeah. He's Agreed. just he, turning him babyface was fine when he had Adam Cole, but the minute that we find out that Cole is not going to be back, because I don't, I how long is that? Is Adam Cole he, out? He had surgery. He that's that was a bad leg injury. Yeah, so months, he's he's out like months. eight or nine months. I thought I read. Yeah, this is. I think it was. It was. They put screws in. It's a broken uh, leg. I think that's. It's yeah. It's 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 pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So automatically, you should have done AEW. You should have done the easy thing and have MJF come out and turn heel because he's good enough. He could pull it off without any problems. I used to love when he say, "Okay, I'm going to beat you with a arm drag and pin you with an arm drag," and he would go out and find a way to cheat well enough to where his final move would be. <laughs> the arm drag or simple maneuver hip toss in order to go ahead and, and get the victory. I loved that. I, I love that aspect of it. That's something you don't see that he brings and it just, they, they're getting away from that. And I think mm-hmm. that really hurts. Now they're trying to make him the sympathetic baby face. <sighs> and it's just, it's, it's not there. People love him anyways, as the, the devil, the bad guy, the heel, whatever you want to say his character is, they love him as that that guy that's willing to pull out all the stops to get the victory. And but and then we also go to the booking aspect of things. They they haven't found a way with Adam Cole being gone. They haven't figured out a way. They didn't have anybody waiting. They didn't there's 122 male competitors on the AEW roster. I looked it up yesterday. Oh, 122. You can't find two or three that are believable enough to be a strong challenger for MJF that could be waiting in the wings. Instead, you waited and waited and waited, and oh, we'll just keep him as a baby face, and he can go out there and try to win the sympathy of the fans. Which, again, he's doing that, but it's not—it's not the same. It's just not the same. There's, as I said, the luster's falling off of MJF at this time. I think a, a part of the reason is because of CM Punk. I, uh, you know. If the history books for AEW will be written, I think that letting CM Punk go uh, for this type of situation, I'm not going to say he's 100% in the right. I'm not going to say he's 100% in the wrong in regards to that situation. It was regarding a safety issue. He Did he handle it in the proper way? No. Did he, if he did put his hands on Tony Khan, then obviously that's that's a done deal. Goodbye on that. But if there was any way he didn't and was, you know, he was still able to go ahead and work things out. I think you should have worked things out because you lose such a viable individual that can steer your company outside of just MJF. Cause Chris Jericho is no longer the mm-hmm. Chris Jericho when he first came in the AEW that, 
that luster and that shine is gone, you know, no matter how much you try to redress it. You just had Kenny Omega get beat by MJF in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, on, on Saturday night on collision, instead of waiting for that and utilizing that on a pay-per-view. Well, you already went down that road. And Kenny Omega, once the guy that was considered the best worker on the planet, is now just really good mediocre. Wrestler. He's mediocre. Yeah. So it and that's that's a shame because you know he has so much to bring and so much talent there. Brian Danielson, he keeps getting hurt. Now you've got Adam Copeland, aka Edge, in the fray now, but he is obviously intertwined right now with uh, a situation angle with his former friend, former partner, even though they're still best friends in real life. Christian Cage, which I enjoy, which is the true only aspect of AEW I am truly enjoying. But the fact is, I don't know how far that gets you. I, that's not right now portrayed as main main event stuff. Oh, I agree. Uh, and although it is very entertaining. Oh, it is. Cage, Cage is a, Cage is their best non MJF uh, heel right now. Absolutely. Point. I just feel like when Adam Copeland came over, when Edge came over, just it's another WWE guy. That's that's to me. I don't see anybody that I, none of my friends were like oh my god this changes everything oh it's it's edge okay cool yeah that that was he, the did, he didn't have the same part in the pun impact that <laughs> cm punk did when he right. came back right and obviously right. the numbers reflected that absolutely and again i just had they waited and had edge in a couple of years maybe things would have been different but then that's two that's a couple of years down the road and you don't know how his body's going to hold up. I just, I don't know. It just, it baffles me that they can't figure this out. It's really not that hard. It really truly is an AEW. And the WWE could be really cold and just replay the finish of the WrestleMania where Roman Reigns dragged over uh, Brian Danielson and pinned both him and Edge at the same time. One, two, three, right there in the middle ring. If you remember that, mm -hmm. uh, when he beat both of them single-handedly, I, you know, if you're really cold, you would just replay that video or you put that on a loop or at the start of your show, you would just put that on just to remind people about that. But that would just be, you know, like I said, uh, between the nastiness between those two companies. But this leads me into my question in regards to All Elite Wrestling. They have three shows right now that they have to cater to. And you said 122 male stars, not even including the female stars in the female division, which I feel they have underserved continuously from day one but that's another argument that's another not even discussion that we can have this that's something we can talk about on another day for another show but 122 male wrestlers and you have three major shows a week that you got to cater to on wednesday friday and saturday with dynamite collision and rampage and to me that right now for what we're seeing with the ratings and the burnout and the response from the fans, it's just too much. It is absolutely too much. There are 34 women on the roster, women wrestlers. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not counting managers or anything else. They have too many shows because they have too much talent. And now they want to start doing monthly pay-per-views on HBO Max. That that was a rumor a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. <sighs> If if you do like you can't build a pay per view with these three shows now in a pay per view that is you know 
out there on Bleacher uh, Report or what or Fight or whatever it's on. I don't remember. You can't build it with this this three show setup with a hundred and fifty some odd people on the roster. What do you think when you go to Max? It's just going to be more compounding the problem. Now you have essentially four shows, and you still are going to have people that you have no idea they're still on the roster. You might say, "I." They have to trim this. They have to trim this roster. That that's that's the bottom line. They have to do that first before they even attempt to try to to trim down the TV outlets or excuse me the uh, TV product. But they have to. They sh- they need to go ahead and get rid of the Friday show. I think yes. that Friday show is the first thing that's got to go. It's it's I'm I haven't watched it in months. I can't even tell you. Like I think it would have been June or July was the last time I watched it. And they, and they now have no one to really front the Saturday show on a regular basis because Saturday started off as a CM Punk show, and it served them well in the beginning. But obviously, since he's gone, they've not been able to recreate that again with anyone else. Adam Copeland, he has just not been able to draw as much interest even with an enticing and intriguing entertaining feud with christian cage it's just seemingly like again like you talked about a old wwe guy coming in there trying to go ahead and get a last hurrah Mm -hmm. and the fans i i don't know i i assume that the fans are are buying it but then you find that their attendance is way down so you're like well maybe they're not buying it maybe they're not excited to see edge maybe they're not excited about mjf's babyface run or this or that because the proof is in the pudding that people aren't showing up to these events so yeah i just again it's going to be very interesting to see what's going on with aew how they continue to lay things out i think when it just like la night you know is it too much too soon i think the same thing could have been said for aew and they're they're now, and I know we're hard on AEW because there are some really good things to like about All Elite Wrestling. Again, that was a terrific match they showed on free television between MJF, who's really improved as an in-ring talent and should be considered as such because he's really done a great job of improving the things that he needed to do in the ring. As we talked about originally, when we started this original conversation with MJF, he has done all he can to go ahead and you can see he's put the work in there pardon the pun, but to see him in that great, great television main event the other night against Kenny Omega was great to see. But again, that should have been left for a bigger payday sometime else, but they and it should have been built. I don't think it was built at all. It was built it was... from Wednesday to Saturday. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you manufacture interest if you're going to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like this should have been in the works. As soon as they found out that Adam Cole was going to be out, here you go, Kenny Omega. Let's go with this. This will this let's let's start building it. Um, again, I don't know. I, I don't. I just scratch my head when it comes to AEW. Sometimes you and I both, my friend, you and I both. But we'll see what happens in regards to All Elite Wrestling. Again, they have a major wrestling event coming up here in the not too distant future at the Los Angeles Forum with Jay White headlining against the champion MJF. I don't expect the title to change there, but after that's over, where does the company go from there as far as a credible, viable challenger that can actually draw interest? I don't know if they have many left. Will Ospreay? You know, Will Ospreay is not a full 100% contracted individual, 
to AEW. He just appears there. Then you'll see him on Impact. And credit to him, he's he's doing whatever he needs to do or whatever he feels like doing. He has recently made comments that he is not, after saying he ruled out WWE for a long time, saying maybe I would consider it. I'm paraphrasing, mind you. But Will Ospreay, even at this age and all the injuries, uh, he is still, uh, I guess, wrestling terms, a, a relatively young individual. He does have his injuries, but he is still, if not the best, among the best in the world today. Your thoughts on what his ultimate career should be? Will Ospreay, I think, is a very talented individual. I've watched several of his New Japan matches. Um, and, He's been and killing it this year. Yeah, he has. He has been absolutely on a tear. I like his promo. I like the character. I like the attitude that he has. But I think as we just kind of talked about it with L.A. Knight, you know, and, and Alex Hammerstone, father time waits on no one. And I think that maybe Will Ospreay is starting to think, well, I may have said no to the WWE before and maybe turn my nose up at it, but I'm getting, I'm getting up there. And I don't well, know. Either that I, or he takes a big payday full time with AEW. Yeah, one of the two. But does does he still want to live in America? Because that was one of the things uh, he said. You know, you know that I don't want to live in America, and he's entitled to have his opinions on that. But that makes things very difficult to book him if you're going to be AEW or the WWE. And so we'll see what happens. But I believe he's currently negotiating also as well with New Japan. So. Uh, I think that he still can offer so much to an organization, whether it's even the WWE or AEW, New Japan. He is one of the finest individuals wrestling out there, period. And I mm -hmm. think that that he is probably in the top five, top three, maybe even top one of the wrestler of the year. But that's for you and I to decide in a couple episodes down the line for State <laughs> of Pro Wrestling. Okay. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But once again, it is John Orlando from the PVD Cast. Go ahead and check out what he's doing today at pvdcast.com. Of course, he does a great job as far as covering the world of pop culture himself, as we do right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, a couple last things I wanted to go ahead and touch on. One is going to be obviously a, a big time debate, you know, as far as I have in regards to the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame talk. So we'll put that at the very end. Okay. Your thoughts on the Iron Claw. It's not coming out until December, but the Iron Claw from A24 Pictures, uh, if people are familiar with everything, everywhere, all at once, the previous Academy Award winner, absolutely tremendous film, uh, was produced and made by A24. 
they're coming out with The Iron Claw, starring Zach Zephron uh, as uh, Kevin Von Erich, amongst other things. It's going to portray the, the lives of the Von Erichs uh, right there as far as how they saw it in world-class championship wrestling and, of course, the tragedies, which everybody focuses on because the in-ring quality work or anything of that nature, uh, I, I don't want to say too much because I'll get a lot of heat on me if I say anything about that because I saw the rest the von erics for years and years on my television screen each week on the world class so i i could say i probably have a fair and and unbiased opinion on the von erics quality of of wrestling or what they brought to the industry uh, they're in their history should never be uh, disregarded but the tragedy should also never be uh, forgotten as well so your thoughts on the iron claw i'm not exactly thrilled with what i saw as the portrayals and hearing that MJF is also appearing as Lance Von Erich in a smaller role kind of befuddled me because if you watched Lance Von Erich, if you watched Kevin Von Erich, David Von Erich, and Carrie Von Erich, you realize that they were different in many ways as far as how they approached wrestling and, and how they were perceived and shown off in the wrestling hemisphere. Your thoughts on the Iron Claw, my friend, before we head on out. I have been excited since day one when they announced they were making this movie because I am a WCCW mark as a kid. <laughs> as a kid, I loved world-class wrestling. Like I, It was my favorite promotion, and people I know look at me and say, that that's a bunch of malarkey, John, but no, it was so wild and so un, untethered and... Just the excitement of the Sportatorium which, every which week. Which part, though, was it the Eric Embry I get beaten on every week because I booked it that way type? Was that what that the era you're talking about? Or were you talking about the era where, of course, in its heyday with the Freebirds and the Von Eriks, obviously stealing much of the show in the earlier part of the 80s? I'm talking about Freebirds, Von Erich, the, okay. uh, the dynamic duo Von Eriks. That was okay. my era. Okay. Um, yes, I, I do remember the Eric Embry, uh, 19, what, 88, 89, mm. uh, world class, before, which was before it, it turned over to Jerry Lawler's USWA when they bought right. it out. Yeah. Yeah. But that was but, interesting. Cause I, I replayed that about a month and a half ago where I watched all the episodes from that time where Eric Embry would always get himself beat up and it looked like he'd be beyond dead and be hospitalized. And he comes out later in the hour to go ahead and make sure that, you know, He's okay. So just like the miraculous comeback each and every time. This, it, it was just so funny, the booking. You could just literally laugh out loud at the booking that was made then, but it worked it for that period of time. So It did. I, I'm very excited for it. I, too, uh, thought it was weird that MJF was going to be Cousin Lance. I'm curious to see how Ryan Nemeth uh, pulls off being Gino Hernandez. I'm curious about that. Um, yeah, I would have liked MJF as Gino Hernandez. Yeah, me personally, Absolutely. Lance Von, von Erich. Apologies to Lance Von Erich fans, but he was zero on the charisma scale, <laughs> and uh, almost as bad wrestling wise. So he was just put out there because he, uh, you know, Fritz Von Erich, as you know, he he was a local uh, high school football player. Just you know, he's a really really good high school football player. Uh, it's not even a Von Erich. He's got a different last name. And then Von Erich just, uh, Fritz Von Erich decided to go ahead. I'm just going to make you a Von Erich. And there you go. So I'm, I'm also curious to see the performances of those individuals playing Gary Hart, Bruiser Brody, um, see how Doris is portrayed. I liked the trailer. I, I'll just say it this way. Um, I had somebody at work 
tell me, they go, Hey, I saw something for a wrestling film and they're not a wrestling fan at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, you're talking about the iron claw. And this coworker was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, I, I don't know anything about it, but it looks really good. I'm like, well, and I kind of filled him in a little bit. They will like it more than me. And they'll probably like it more than you because it does not faithfully recreate the sportatorium. Sportatorium was a dump. <laughs> it was dingy and was, it got, it did not age well, but it had nostalgia. And the thing is they, it's so hard to recreate that. And it just looks like it was done in a, you know, regular studio film setting. And, you know, again, I will, ha I will go watch it, but I will pick it apart. Unfortunately, most likely I'm, I'm, I, I hate to have all these pre definition things in my, in my mind. I hope I'm proven wrong, but I just, for someone that lived like you week to week watching world-class championship wrestling, I really know it's, it's going to be for people that had didn't watch it for that time period, because if, you know, if those, for those who did, they're going to probably be brutally honest and may that may not work in the film's favor. I'm excited. Like I said, I started off saying I'm that. Glad. I'm that, still that, excited. That pleases me that you are excited. I, I want to see it. And maybe, maybe in January, I'll I'm very nervous. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe in January when we reconvene and I've seen it, because I think it comes out December 22nd. Yeah, and it's for Academy Award, you have to do it by, you have to show it off by Christmas in New York and LA in order to be eligible for the Academy Awards. Okay, so when we get back together in January, hopefully I'll still be very, very jazzed about it and be like, yes, it was great. But there is that, <laughs> there is that chance that I go, Huh, it was underwhelming. I'm just going to say that it'll probably be thought of a lot better by individuals who weren't yeah. familiar with it than who were. And I'll leave yeah. it at that. But before we head on out, my friend, I do want to go ahead and talk about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. The Wrestling Observer is probably the most noteworthy uh, informational news option for behind the scenes information on what's going on in the world of wrestling for over my gosh four decades at least i mean i remember reading it myself and being a subscriber back in the 80s after i saw dave Meltzer, who is the guy behind the wrestling observer newsletter do such great work uh, with uh, the sports weekly newspapers that i used to see him in the national is where I first read his work. And then from there, I got the Wrestling Observer newsletter in the 80s. So seeing that's the case, they're usually the most serious about creating a very pointed Hall of Fame. So the ballot has come out for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame candidates for 2023. Their, their requirements are listed there, you know, as far as, you know, 10 to 15 years in the business, depending on their age. Uh, and then obviously what, what it takes to get in, what it takes to get out. Uh, as you see it, my friend, again, as I talked to you before we went on the air, the first thing is if it's 10 to 15 years, depending on the age, that is so vague. Uh, and if I, Dave Meltzer were here, I would say I have so much respect for him and what he's done, but that is so vague, 10 to 15 years, depending on the age. So let's take most of the ladies who've defined the WWE in the last part of the last decade and this decade. Becky Lynch, Asuka, Charlotte Flair, you know, Sasha Banks, Bailey, those five have just transcended, you know, women's wrestling, period, and brought it on a worldwide stage to a main event status at WrestleMania. Yet you've 
they don't qualify. And I think most, if not all, are been in the business 10 to 15 years. Again, that's just my first you know, brush with this. But your thoughts on that, my friend, before we really get into some candidates with the last five minutes. Well, much like you, I was confused by it. It doesn't. It's not very clear so as to what he means. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, I honestly just kind of breezed past it and didn't really pay attention to it. And then you you mentioned it, and I was like, well, okay. So to me, that shows that it's it's not, to me, if it was a little more specific and it was a bigger text in terms of like, it's more than just one line. And if you explain what that means, I would have maybe slowed down and read it, but I just kind of read through and okay, moving on. So I, I don't know. I think it is very confusing. I don't understand. I mean, I get it. I get why they want to put that in there. They want to have some type of rules, but I don't know. It was very odd. Well, I'm going to tell you what, my friend, for next month, we're going to have our complete list. Oh, we're going to pretend that we're going to do this. So we're going to do a complete makeover for next month. Tell you what, my friend, it's been a great episode. You've been tremendous as always. You're carrying me through this, even though we, you know the WWE is still knocking on the door asking us to do squash matches on the next set of television tapings. But before we head on out, do the hard pitch, my friend. What's okay. going on at the PVD Cast? Well, the PVD Cast is available at pvdcast.com and available through all those major podcasting outlets. Uh, this episode that is up right now is a really fun episode. It is a episode that doesn't break kayfabe. Whoop. I think I just broke kayfabe, but Elk, a great wrestler out of Michigan, uh, who is a caveman from another galaxy. He sits down with me as well as his two friends, uh, Kyle and Dylan. Uh, they have a comic book called Elk, and it's all about him and his mighty wild adventures that he loves to tell. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I think if you want to just have a fun listen and you don't want to think too much about it, because it is, it is hokey, it is cheesy, but it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, we highlight the project, the Elk comic book, and all of the other projects that those guys, Kyle and Dylan, did uh, through Three Wise Men Media. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, again, pvdcast.com. And I've enjoyed being here as always, Gerald. I always look forward to these talks. I appreciate it. As do I, my friend. It's one of my favorite episodes each and every month. I know next month we're going to be talking about everything going on, setting up for the pay-per-views for the end of the year and beginning of the year with the Royal Rumble and all that. We will not discuss our wrestlers of the year until the January episode. Okay. Just want Sounds to make good. sure that that's clar clarified for everybody out there. I think, of course, next month we'll talk about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. We'll talk about who we want in, who we think should be out, and so much more. But, John, truly appreciate you stopping by. Looking forward to another great opportunity to get in the ring with you, my friend. Going ahead. I'm holding on to the tag rope, reaching out for the tag. Hopefully, you'll go ahead and tag me in. There you go. Tag me in. All right. I'm a house of fire. I'm a house of fire now. I'm roaring. I got that baby face fire right there going at it. I'm going to go ahead and get those heels. This time, I will tell you, it's been great having you on the show. Looking forward to another great tag team match for us next month right here at the State of Pro Wrestling, and of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos.